0: Tonight we want to continue to talk about friendships, and tonight we want to talk about when you go through the fire, again, as we go through fire, we need to have friends that are be honest with us. How many of you ever had an honest, a friend that you know they would tell you anything, even if they knew it was going to hurt you? All right? And when I say hurt you, I meant like in a good way, like they, they was coming to tell you you know what? You're doing something wrong. And I and, and know what? I'm there for you. Da, da, da. How many of you have a friend like that? All right. All right. All right. All right. Listen. All right. So, listen. So, a lot of you put your hand up and say you do have a friend that will be honest with you, even when they come to you and tell you that you did something wrong. And do it in a way that is not to put you down, but to help you out, right? Tonight we want to talk about David, but we want to talk about David and Nathan, all right? But before we look into why Nathan confronted David on an issue, we need to know why Nathan had to come to David, all right? David, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, all right? We're probably not going to read all those verses because I don't, you know, we don't have that time, but let me just tell you what's happening here, right? David was the king, right? He was in charge, and he was supposed to go out to war, right? But he decided that he was going to stay behind. But while he was behind, what happened was he saw a beautiful woman taking a shower on the roof, all right? All right, listen, listen, all right? He saw a beautiful, he saw a woman taking a beautiful shower. I mean, a, a beautiful woman taking a shower, right? Now listen, all right? First of all, we need to understand something. David is not supposed to be here, all right? David is not supposed to be where he is, suppo- where he is right now. But now, this has opened up. Beautiful woman taking a shower, David has an opportunity to say, you know what, I see the woman, let me turn away. But what does David do? He looks at her, and he likes what he sees. And so, he sees what he wants to get to know, well, who is that girl? I want to get to know her a little better. So, he has a come over, sends his servants to go find out who she is, has her come over. And they do something. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, right? She's a married woman, all right? She's a married woman. Listen up, alright? Because y'all, you, you know, y'all so let me let me just let me, let's get to let's get to the verse here, alright? So listen, verse three, alright? And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers to, and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. All right? So listen, all right? Hold on, hold on. Listen. So... So, you know, sometimes, you know, your parents like to watch these soap operas and stuff, but we got our own little soap opera happening right here, right? So, here it is, you know, consequence of sin, all right, because it's another man's wife. Consequence comes again that what? She's pregnant. And now, so what we see here, we see sin continuing to happen, right? It's getting worse and worse because now they're going to try to what? Cover up their sin. All right, he want, David wants to try to cover this up. So this is what he says, all right, listen. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah, the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and there followed him a, a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. Verse 10. When they told David Uriah to not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah dwell in, in booths. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to you, remain here today also and tomorrow I will send you back. So what is David trying to do? David is trying to say, look, I need you to go be with your wife because I need to cover up what I've done. Because if you go and you sleep with your wife, then what's going to happen? Everyone's going to think it's your baby. But Uriah is saying, no, you know what? I can't. I feel bad because the rest of my guys are out there fighting the war. I'm not going to go and and, and just, you know, live my life how I want to live. I'm concerned about my guys who are out there. So again, verse 13, and David invited him and he ate in his presence and drank so that he made him drunk. So here again, it's getting worse, right? David wants to make him what? Drunk. So he doesn't know what he's doing. So that he made him drunk and in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with a servant of his Lord but he did not go down to his house. Verse 14 In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah In the letter he wrote set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back for him that he may be struck down and die. So here it is because Uriah hasn't done what David wanted to do what is David saying to do? Basically murder him, right? Basically he's saying, look, put him in the front line. All right? Put him in the front line and I want everyone to back off of the the fight. You see how serious sin is? You see how serious that when we open ourselves to one small sin, it all gets bigger and bigger? It all started with what? Procrastination, right? David wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. David had the opportunity. He saw the woman. He could have turned away. But what did he do? He dwelled on what he saw. Then he committed the sin of adultery, right? Because he lied with another man's wife. You see the pattern here? And then it goes to what? Murder. Now the question is, for us, when you consider your life, you know, we are something just like this, right? We open ourselves and and we cease a sin or we get involved and we see something that, hey, you know what? I know I shouldn't do this. But then we open ourselves to that small sin. Think of a lie, right? Right? As small as a lie is sometimes, don't you feel like a lie gets bigger and bigger? Because once you lie to one person, you got to remember that lie you told that person. Because when you, especially, let's be honest, you get called in the principal's office at school. All right? And, you know, everyone, you know, hey, look here. Wait, when we go in there, this is our story. All right? We telling it just like this. So Perez comes in there, and Perez gives his story, right? And Bond, that, that that's a good story, right? Then Shelling comes in. Shelling give a nice. I mean, he give the exact same story Perez give. So everything looking good right now. But then Marvin comes along, right? And Marvin, like, he missed one. He missed a detail, and he messed up the whole situation. And now, listen. Now, what happens is this: we gotta figure out what is the true story. Who telling the truth now? All right. And that's why you got to be very careful, all right? got to be very careful with sin. But here it is, right? Here it is. David did all of this, right? A man out God's own heart, right? But let me ask this question. How many of you, you can honestly say that you have a friend that if you went and you did all this, they would come and tell you about it? Not to point it out in a bad way, but to try to help you. All right, we got a couple of people, right? So we're going to go forward to uh, what we want to focus on is 2 Samuel chapter 12, 1 to 14. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other, excuse me, poor. The rich man had many, very many flocks and herds, verse 3. But the poor man had nothing but one little lamb, which he had brought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel, and drink from his cup, and lie in his arm, and it was like a daughter to him. Verse 4. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Verse 5. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, "As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die." So, so, so you see what's happening, right? Nathan is trying to tell him a story, and he's saying, "Well, the man whoever this is, they deserve to die. They deserve to be to be killed." Verse six. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse seven. Nathan said to David, "You are the man." Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. So remember what David went through the first time, right? Saul was trying to kill him, and God, what? Delivered him from that, right? And I gave you your master's house, and your master's wife into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Verse 9. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? To do what is evil in the sight, you have struck down Uriah, the Hittite, with a sword, and have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes, and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. You see what what he's saying there? Verse 12, for you did it secretly, but I do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Again, when he, David, when he, David, slept with Bathsheba, it was done in secret, right? The sin was secret, except for those people who knew it. It wasn't known to everyone. But Nathan's saying, look, it's going to become big for you. You see, we need to understand as we consider this. When we first look at this, here's what I see when we look at this. He let God lead, all right? Nathan didn't come to David without a plan, all right? And say, well, here it is. You know what? You did wrong, and that's it. No, no. He let God lead the conversation. He let God lead him in what he had to say. Secondly, he chose his words wisely, all right? Carefully. He had a plan. He was in control. Thirdly, he spoke truth. You see, the bottom line is this. We need friends in our lives who are going to speak the truth to us in love. Even when we do wrong, we need to have people who are going to come and talk to us in love. And say, you know what? What you're doing is wrong. Not to point out their faults, but to help them. Verse 13 says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. Verse 14. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. You see the consequences of sin. When we look at this, we also see something about David, right? David, he listened. He let Nathan talk to him and he sat there and listened. But you know what sometimes we like to do? We like to what? Defend ourselves, right? We like to point, what you're talking about? Like you as a saint. You think you got it all together? You think you, think you was perfect? Eh? He listened to him. But we also see that David what? He confessed his sin. David knew he had done wrong and he owned it. He said, you know what? I have done wrong. I know I've done wrong. And after he confessed his sins, he repented and asked God to forgive him of his sin. I think that too many times in our lives, we think that we are perfect. We think that if somebody points out things in our lives, the first thing we do is get on defense. We don't want no one to tell us we're wrong. But if they tell us we're right and they big up our ego, what do we do? Keep it coming. Keep telling, me, keep telling me how good I am. But when they start to say, you know what? You, you struggle with this. And you know what you need to do as a friend? You need to find friends that know if you struggle in this area of your life to be there for you to help you. Let me ask you a question. If I was an alcoholic, Right? Would it be wise for me to always go into a bar on a Friday and just hang out with a bunch of guys? Would it be wise for me to do that? No, right? Why? I mean, I'm only drinking a ginger ale. The prospect that I have the option to have a drink. And the minute I have that one drink, you know what I'm going to want? Another one. Another one. All right. And it keeps going, right? It's just like us in our, in our lives, right? It's just like us in our lives. When I look at David, I think of someone else. Someone else who played it completely different. And that guy is Joseph. All right. Joseph played it completely different, right? Because when Joseph came into Potiphar's wife's house, what happened? She tried to seduce him. seduce him. And what did he do? He ran. He ran and left his clothes right there. And you know what, what's sad, though, that a lot of us in society say, but he's a punk, but something wrong with him, but... I mean, a girl threw himself at him, and, and he just gone and ran? What's wrong with him? But listen to me, all right. When you take a stand for something and you do what's right, you gotta understand. You have true friends that are gonna be there to support you. Proverbs twenty-seven five to six says this: Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend; profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So basically we're saying this. It's better to have a friend that's going to be honest with you than to be quiet around you, right? To play like that is your play like this, friend and just instead of talking to everyone else about it except you. As we finish, as we, conclude, as we close, I just want you to really search your friends and ask yourself, do you have friends that are there for you that will tell you the truth in love, that are really honest with you, or do you have a bunch of people who are there with you and they'll, they'll try to tell you everything else, but they'll talk to someone, other friend, and say something completely different about you? You see, we need to recognize that we need to honor God with our friendships. And as we go through the fire and we go through these tough times, those friends that are real will stick with us. Those friends will be there for us. Those friends will be honest with us. And they'll tell us even things that we may not like for our own good. So I challenge you find those friends. Keep those friends close to you because those are friends that I can admire the most. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you have done. Father, we pray you continue to be on all that we do. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.